Hello and welcome. It's Friday, the 24th of April, 2020, and we're back with episode 149. I hope you're all doing well, safe, at home, ready to kick off the weekend. So before we dive into today's episode, we've got a very special guest with us today. Uh, Just a reminder that if you're interested in learning about autonomous vehicles' impact on the construction sector, including things like the real estate market generally, municipalities, urban design, even such things as parking structure design, well, we've got a webinar coming up on May 7th. You can register now. Just head on over to our website at hogandco.com. Click the blue banner at the top. You can register over Eventbrite. Finally, don't forget to leave five stars if you enjoy this podcast over on Apple Podcasts. And with that, let's dive in and get started. Uh, our guest today is Leonid Tsuranku. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Kibus, except that it isn't because I've learned it is not pronounced Kibus, rather it's pronounced Chibus because you see it's spelled Q-I-B-U-S and the Q-I is the Qi as in the Chinese word for energy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, ki- uh, not Kibus, Chibus is a very cool company. They are a Belarus-based teleoperation company, if that sounds at all familiar, well, yeah, because you probably read the really surprisingly transparent, rather moving article uh, about Starsky Robotics' recent shutdown. Uh, they, of course, were also a teleoperations company based out of San Francisco. Uh, Leonid, by the way, is here in San Francisco, pretty close to me, in fact. Um, I'm just across the bay from him. Uh, but his team is out in Belarus, and... What caught my eye was their website showing a video from inside a car driving a very familiar-looking racetrack, which I immediately recognized as Thunderhill Raceway, just outside of Sacramento. And yeah, well, it turns out that this was being driven remotely by his team 6,000 miles away in Belarus. So suffice to say then, pretty cool stuff. But of course, my big curiosity, my questions for him were, were sort of, you know, what is the thing that sets them apart from... Well, with all due respect to Starsky and Stefan personally, you know, there's obviously a lot of players in this space. So lots to learn here. Great conversation. I had the chance to get acquainted with Leonid several weeks ago on a previous phone call. So really uh, great fun to dive in and have a in-depth conversation with him and learn all there is to know about Chibus. Uh, I should say, though, a huge apology for the audio quality with all the ongoing internet connectivity issues here due to all the work from home and the excess load on the local internet, um, I had to resort to plan B, which was using my cell phone and the Anchor app, which didn't go so well for the first time ever. In fact, we had some pretty serious audio drift issues where our voices started to overlap. I did my best to clean it up, um, but the, and I, I did okay, I think. Um, the problem is it sometimes sounds like I'm interrupting him and cutting him off. Um, I was not. Anyway, apart from that and a few other little audio issues, I hope you're sitting comfortably because it's a fantastic conversation with Leonid Tsuranku, founder and CEO of Chibus. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Leonard, great of you to join us. Uh... I should say it's great to finally do this because, uh, well, we've been trying to do this for quite some time. And again, a huge apology for the catastrophic internet connectivity failures I've been experiencing the last couple of weeks. So thanks for your patience. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark, for inviting me for the conversation. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. I mean, I can't wait to dive in. And uh, we had such a great uh, preliminary chat uh, a few weeks ago, I guess. So um, I'm glad I asked you to hold off on sharing with me all the cool stuff you guys are up to because I'm eager to dive into it now. First things first, though, uh, how did you like Rush? I loved it. I actually am surprised that I uh, never heard of it, never saw it. 
Yeah, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. So thank you, thank you for for that. And uh, yeah, that was a lovely Sunday evening. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, cool. And thanks again for uh, the Senna uh, movie as well. All right, well, cool. Um, so look, uh, all I know so far about Kibos is that you guys are doing teleoperation, and this is really long distance stuff. As I understand, your your drivers are based in Belarus. What are the nine eight nine thousand miles away from i guess california um correct it is uh six thousand miles away and uh yeah. i as you said uh first things first i'll, I'll start with the name uh the, the every everybody mispronounce uh mispronounce it because this is a little tricky um isn't it just the, latin for the way the where? way the way we pronounce it is chi bus uh chi is an energy uh yeah. El, yeah else known as prana or and also most of the people probably know that uh as a wireless uh charging yeah. standard yeah. so that's how we uh, pronounce it um we okay, so uh, decidedly not latin got it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i would say it's closer to chinese if, yeah exactly because i totally just thought it was a clever play on kibus meaning <laughs> yeah again i think it means where in latin but okay no <laughs> <laughs> Great, um, yeah, and we we do drive from uh, six thousand miles away uh, from Europe, uh, and that's that's actually how we started. Uh, the short story: we started on a racetrack um, in California, which is uh, Thunder Hill Raceway, and it's interesting how you. Uh, spotted and recognized it uh, right away uh, yeah that was pretty fun i remember looking at your website and i'm thinking that that track looks very familiar to me <laughs> yeah so th that this this was our second return uh last year we went to the racetrack with uh with just a prototype that we built within uh, two or three weeks prior to uh, the event uh, and the team worked around the clock. Basically, it was 24-7 uh, within this weekend. So we went from almost nothing to a working, uh, working demo vehicle. And we actually had to borrow a vehicle from one of the teams and plug in our equipment to their uh, car so we, we can demonstrate the capability. I mean, that's pretty telling right there. I mean, if you were able to effectively retrofit another car that quickly on site that's a uh, pretty big deal exactly so we actually made it a pretty big deal later on uh, because we decided that spending around 200,000k for a drive-by wire enabled vehicle is probably too much not only to uh, you know do a great demo with it but also we decided that it will be hard to scale later on because this is too pricey and whatever comes out of uh, this should make sense uh, business-wise. So we came out, came up with uh, with a hardware and software that allows us to retrofit a regular vehicle, and it's actually pretty cheap. So okay, but I'm guessing, as you sort of alluded to, you are limited to the kind of vehicle, right? So it's got to be. It sounds like something with a. I'm guessing in the last five years or so. Um, uh, we. Um, we would like to think that it can be any vehicle. Uh, the the problem becomes when if it's an older vehicle, then it will be more expensive to to retrofit because there might be other uh, sensors or actuators needed for for us to be able to operate it. But uh, basically, uh, depending on the, the amount of money you want to spend on that on the retrofit, uh, it it becomes possible to retrofit almost anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But hang on. So can we take a step back just for a second? I mean, uh, frankly, teleroperation is on a lot of people's minds with all due respect to the good folks over at Starsky Robotics. And as I think I mentioned to you, I know Stefan personally. Um, and so, so I think the timing of this conversation is pretty perfect. You know, what, what is the inspiration behind what you guys are up to? I mean, from our brief chat last time, I think I, I think I probably get it, right? I mean, it's a great um, stepping stone, sort of an interim technology, but it's more than that, right? Because it, it's arguably always going to be the case that there's going to be a need for some human intervention, perhaps at least at the first and last mile, potentially. Is that the idea? 
it was the idea when it all started. So it started actually as it usually uh, does in, in, in the mind. Uh, and at the time I was working at uh, Uber and I was working on self-driving vehicles and I saw that even though the technology is great and it's working, uh, it is obviously, uh, it's, not, it's not enough or it will take so much time to really refine it and make it fully autonomous. So there's, there should be something that works today uh, that can serve as an alternative. And the initial thought was an initial trend in the whole, uh, I guess, industry, I should say, was, yeah, teleoperation is something that helps self-driving cars on, on the road when they get stuck. Um, it evolved quite a bit. Uh, I don't view it or we don't view it as, uh, as, as a helper for self-driving cars anymore and um, for various reasons, actually. But I think um, looking at the industry as a whole and the companies that uh, deeply involved in designing and building self-driving cars, um, I would say teleoperation is a great next step. If we all take it, take a step back and admit, which interesting enough, it, it started happening early this year, companies started to come to come out and um, admitting that the technology is not really uh, advancing uh, any longer the pace it was initially. So the teleoperation, uh, yes, it can be a helper for uh, you know, unperfect self-driving stack. But we see it as actually the tech that works today and we can utilize and leverage to do uh, the tasks that, that, you know, turn it in a, in, into a real business. So hang on, I have a question though. I mean, when I think about teleoperation generally, we talk about it being used as uh, as a helper of sorts. I mean, I think a lot of folks imagine, or at least they picture uh, the obvious use case, which is something like commercial trucking, of course, again, that's what Starsky was up to. And then I think there's this image in everyone's head. You've got a bunch of real humans sitting. Well, it's effectively dronifying a car, right? It's turning a car into a drone. And so you've got to have a whole team of humans sitting somewhere effectively monitoring, if not actually driving a car. But I wonder, is there a use case potentially, maybe not quite yet, but eventually where you could effectively have like a team of human backup drivers that are sort of on call, as it were. So the use case I'm thinking of would apply, I guess, by definition, only to a level four type of vehicle where it's doing its thing just fine as long as the conditions and the locations are satisfactory. But then let's say that something goes very wrong. Maybe suddenly it gets hit by a massive snowstorm or a blizzard or for whatever reason goes off the particular set of roads that it's designed to handle. Is there a way to effectively um, have sort of teleoperation on demand, so to speak, where the car automatically can ping a teleoperation service, which then brings a human online, so to speak, to then take over the car. I mean, granted, you could have the human in the car do it, but is there a use case where uh, for, for teleoperation to do this? Absolutely. I think uh, this is uh, one of the use cases, and it obviously will be needed for years to come, especially monitoring uh, as self-driving stacks and technology evolve and get better, there might be less intervention needed and it might be not really, you know, driving a car maybe, but, you know, helping with certain um, commands or additional input. Um, the way the way we want to think about this is we have million, mil, millions of cars on the road today and self-driving cars are so expensive that it, it will take, uh, my guess is probably 10 years at least for us to be able to go and buy a self-driving car if we want to own it. Um, as an alternative, teleoperation can be used and embedded in the regular cars today. So the, it, and it also, it turns, if, if the infrastructure allows, but like in the United States, for instance, the speeds of LTE and the you know, coming uh, 5G are so incredibly fast that we can actually utilize 
uh, this technology today, and we pull, can put this in in the cars that are already on the road. Not, not even talking about the cars that you know go uh, out of the assembly lines, you know, somewhere in like four to five years later. If we put this as a system, like OnStar, for instance, today people can uh, SOS from their car and get assistance. Mm -hmm. So why why not extend this assistance to actually, actually yeah. being able to taxi yourself from point A to point point B, or maybe you know some on the car like Tesla does today? That's actually a perfect analogy. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, you're right. Um, hey, as an aside, can you clear clarify some ambiguity about? the promise of 5G for AVs. I don't want to get too much into us into this because it's a bit beyond the scope, but my understanding is that the promise of 5G is less about the raw speed, but rather it's more about the latency, which for teleoperation seems to me to be the primary issue. Um, and if that's true, then the next part of my question is, how do you handle the, the uh, I guess, the much more challenging deployment of 5G since the range is so much less? I mean, we can't even get full 4G coverage everywhere. Exactly. Uh, I think 5G, um, first, uh, I want to address the issue of uh, latency. Um, using LTE is already uh, allows us to drive a car from 6,000 miles away today. So that's already enough for, uh, for teleoperation. Problem becomes that coverage and the, the the load on the network vary from place to place, and it's not you know stable. And also, especially in the United States, uh, you cannot be prioritized for traffic. So you have to if if you're using um, cellular networks that are not um, specifically you know made for you or prioritize you, you have to deal with what you have. Mm -hmm. So this is. This is a little bit complicated, and that's where you know te technology comes into play. But it's all already possible today, so there is no need in 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 five G for that. Five uh, G potentially uh, might bring additional possibilities, um, and I don't attribute it to latency as much because the latency is very low already. It's lower than the human reaction time, so it's. Um, it's not a you know not a such a big player in 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 a, in a game or an equation, but five um, G uh, will allow the the larger throughput, which means the picture or the video stream quality will get better. There will be additional um, technologies uh, that will allow um, to tr get the sensor data from the vehicle into the cloud and work with it there rather than you know applying certain algorithms on the vehicle itself uh, so there will be more possibilities for the same thing and it's going to be more robust with 5g but it's already good enough with 4g uh, huh, that's an interesting point okay i get it but but still do you agree though that there is this challenge of actually building out sufficient 5g coverage because of its lower range I think it will be a tremendous, uh, tremendous, tremendous. Uh, uh, yeah, I would. I want to. I want to describe this as a challenge because uh, with, with 5G specifically, it is my understanding, and we never tested 5G, not yet, at least. But it's my understanding that you have to be in the line of sight from the uh, cellular station, uh, from the radio. Uh, and only then 5G will be, you know, working, and you'll be able to uh, transmit 5, 5G signal. I mean, you, I knew it was susceptible to interference. It didn't occur to me it had to actually be line of sight. Right, and it's also it's it, it's very short distance or relatively short distance. Right, that I knew. Pro mm -hmm. Problem yeah. becomes that, and again, that's what I would love to try is going from one uh, connectivity point to another to another and see if the transition between the points are actually not, you know, breaking and, and it's all stable and, you know, we don't lose the connectivity in the sessions um, and, and so on and so forth. So I think there will be a lot of testing before 5G will fly, uh, including, you know, with uh, teleoperation, but it's uh, it looks promising for now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to get back to learn 
as much as you're able to share about kind of what you guys are doing that's really kind of your secret sauce to the extent that you can share it because i i sense that you were hinting there's some really cool practical things you want to discuss before we get to that um so what can you share about the need or i guess the concern with respect to uh privacy issues generally with respect to this sort of connectivity i mean it's funny enough i just actually um attended a webinar this morning from a from a law firm, um, precisely, precisely this issue, right? And so I think it's a question in a lot of people's minds. I mean, should we expect cars to effectively end up becoming like mobile VPNs? <laughs> Is that the idea? I mean, like, how, at least at a high level, can, do you feel like touching on any sort of the connectivity privacy issues surrounding all this? I mean, since there's going to be so much cloud-based, well, in your case, everything is effectively cloud-based. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh... The uh, first, the, the problem with uh, privacy, I think there, there, there will be always, always a trade-off between how much privacy you want to get versus how much functionality or how much uh, service you want to receive. Um, I think that it's all already the case. Uh, there is also an aspect of cybersecurity, uh, which um, it, it is related to teleoperation even more than you know, self-driving cars because hacking into a car right. and and driving it you know remotely uh, and you know that that might become a problem mm-hmm. but i i i think that this is one of the areas that will um the companies will start exploring next because today uh we, we shouldn't really getting too much ahead of ourselves because what i hear is yeah, the tech and and actually a lot of companies, a lot of teleoperation companies spun up like early last year. So it, it's interesting to see that technology becomes less of a problem. It's not the technology race and uh, addressing your question regarding you know what what do we do? Uh, we actually attack it from multiple angles. And uh, why, for instance, uh, it wasn't you know teleoperation or and driving a car remotely on you know on the road on public roads you know five years ago wasn't a thing. Uh, it's not because technology wasn't there. It was probably um, part of it was how how do you put everything together uh, starting from tech to uh, operations to understanding uh, you know operational domains to un- understanding the car itself and um, I think this is. Be- becoming less and less of a problem today but also uh now when the, the the main thing is there yeah we can yes we can control it uh now there there are so many other things for instance like uh the a teleoperator that will be a driving car from so many miles away what does he or she needs to have in, in in the possession in, in order to efficiently be able to operate what uh, you know what should appear on the screen what ai techniques sh- you know can be used to augment the reality to compensate for the you know lack of depth of field mm-hmm. things like that so uh, it's actually and I, I believe the the company especially in teleoperation space uh, the, the technology that will become successful uh, will be the one that gather everything and like provides a complete package uh, from the from the car end you know from the control to the experience of the operator that's an interesting point actually so so it's it's kind of justified to think of this as like you've got a whole stack of things here you've got to do you need, you need all of it end to end it's not sufficient just to develop say the ability to do the teleoperation, you have to make sure it's delivered properly to the driver, obviously. Uh, yes. Uh, otherwise, everyone, everyone else would be, you know, doing this, and that would be too easy. Actually, uh, 
you know, saw a lot of videos on YouTube where, you know, people, even today, people drive cars, like RC cars in, uh, in China going, you know, grocery shopping during uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, and it's, you know, it's all over YouTube and it's very popular, uh, but it's, you know, it's an RC car. And Hang on, what is this? Yeah. I've not seen this or heard of this. What's going on? Uh, yeah, I, I saw a video, I think it was all over media here in the United States as well, where uh, a woman was driving an RC car from, from her home to a nearby grocery store to uh, get some some groceries, and then it came back and delivered these groceries, and she was basically <laughs> driving it from, from A little her, RC uh, car was big enough to pick up some groceries for delivery? Uh, she, I think she she put like a small trailer behind it and yeah it's awesome <laughs> yeah it is awesome so and that's doable today and now how how do we make it a real car on the real road uh driving not only around the block but uh you know somewhere where you know we 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 never driven before too yeah. and um i think that's where the challenge is and that's why it's so uh, complex uh, and it's not, you know, not obvious. There's a lot of small details in every uh, bit of it that brings challenges. And uh, whoever solve all of it and, you know, bring the complete thing, uh, I think will will win. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad you mentioned COVID briefly because I wanted to just touch on something that's reminded me. So there's been a lot of discussion uh, in the last couple of weeks, obviously, kind of, you know, there's been a lot of news. Uh, frankly, I've even podcasted about it just yesterday. I wrote an article about it on Medium. The, this question of how COVID's going to impact the ongoing testing and deployment of AVs, and obviously, what we're seeing is a is a massive pivot in autonomous vehicle companies. Somewhat surprising, or I guess not so surprising, depending on your point of view, which kind of exactly parallels what airlines have done. They're basically pivoting to delivery, whether it's delivery of groceries or medical supplies. I think Neuro was one of the first to get approval for this. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Voyage has started testing this sort of thing. And and so the thing that I was discussing on the podcast and that I wrote about was I wonder whether COVID could end up being a really, I mean, I'm, I'm grasping not to minimize the, the adverse health impacts on everybody all over the world, of course, but if there is a silver lining for AV development, at least, I wonder, could it be that it ends up effectively catalyzing or fast-tracking uh, testing generally, right? So, so one of the things that I've discussed is how we're seeing cities shut down a lot of streets to car traffic entirely, since there's so little traffic to begin with, right? So you may have heard Oakland shut down 75 miles of streets. And so, uh, long story short, my question is, you know, what if we just start setting aside some of those miles for AV testing? And what if we start, therefore, fast-tracking not just delivery, autonomous delivery, but indeed dry, true driverless ride sharing? And I get it. The technology is obviously not there yet. But what better time than now to start testing it? I mean, really testing it, if only for the safety of passengers and drivers alike, and therefore admitting that the technology is not yet there, isn't this the optimal kind of uh, vector to get teleoperation really kind of being tested in the real world? I mean, it seems pretty perfect, no? Or what am I missing? Yeah. I think first, uh, this pandemic will be a turning point for many businesses. And for this industry, I think it will have a tremendous impact. It will either kill it or accelerate it. And um, the way I'm thinking about this is the the, the self-driving vehicles, um, last few years, what, I, what, I'm, what I've been hearing about self-driving tech, it's gonna be used as a self-driving self taxis or driverless taxis. And um, it looked like from what's going on in the travel industry and uh, um, also I think mm -hmm. ride-sharing industry, it is it is hard right now to convince people to uh, get into a vehicle, and it's especially for for this uh, virus. W what's relevant is it's not even the fact that it, it's a human driving and it can be a potential uh, exposure, uh, but it's also sure. surfaces in the vehicle. So you never know, you know, who rode before you and what was going on and when it was last time sanitized. So. 
I think the, the concept of uh, delivering this uh, technology uh, to accelerate self-driving transportation and public transportation and taxi uh, service, I think that's going to be slowed down a little. So I also heard that, yeah, Voyage uh, received uh, a license to uh, carry people mm -hmm. here in California. Um, but I think it's it's the same issue they're having in Florida right now. Uh, they, they basically had to shut down because, yeah, people probably don't want to be exposed within the next at least few months and, and, and take rights. Um, but also, I think I see this as a lesser risk, just, you know, touching surfaces um, and uh, comparing to communicating or using a human as a driver, because it's more exposure than, you know, surfaces. You can probably protect yourself from surfaces a little uh, with, you know, proper ventilation of the cabin and, and you know, precautions. It is lesser chance to to get it so um again to your to your question about whether it's a perfect time i thought about it um for self-driving car companies i think uh from from what i know from my experience working and you know talking to people in, in uh, those companies um this is this is just a great demo that the companies are working on still. It's it's hard to uh, really go and deploy this on, on streets without, you know, drivers or safety drivers behind the wheel because it's not there yet. And the, the thing about this is uh, they, when, when, we, when we say we block out some roads for testing in the city, there are still people, there, there can be bicyclists, there can be, you know, jaywalkers, there can be can be people there who, you know, don't listen to the rules and they go out. So it is not still safe to use, you know, those areas kind of assuming that, oh, since everybody stay at home and they're going to obey to the order, now we can go and fully mm -hmm. test it there. Got it. All right. So so let's loop back to the actual tech behind Chibus. Uh, Am I saying that right now? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Got it. Um, so let's see. Oh, yeah, before I forget to mention, so one of the cool things we discussed, uh, I don't know, when we first chatted, I guess, uh, if I remember correctly, you said, well, besides the fact that it turns out we're both aviation geeks, which is super cool. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you, if I'm not mistaken, you did say that you're sort of targeting different verticals with your tech. Is that is that correct or am I misremembering? Yeah, we actually tried to uh, explore a few uh, cases, and uh, again, we we thought uh, technology is great, but solution without a problem is oh, is true. a problem by itself. So we, we were trying to find a use case where it would actually help people, and you know, work it can be can be used today. Uh, and we uh, this this pandemic and this situation with uh, COVID nineteen actually triggered some or pulled some strings and uh, we we think we've found some interesting application which we are exploring something tells right me now. i shouldn't uh, drill deeper into this topic <laughs> at least not yet okay. <laughs> <laughs> not yet not not yet well in that case <laughs> let me open it up to you what what uh, what can you share further what would you like to share further uh you know actually let me just ask the decidedly unfair question because i know that everyone's gonna say, Mark, why didn't you ask this question? Um, I mean, the takeaways that I'm getting is that the distinguishing feature that you have is an apparently really relatively simple retrofit capability at low cost for a bunch of other vehicles. I agree, that's huge. It seems to be that you have potentially the use case to be in multiple different verticals. That's awesome. Uh, I guess the overarching question in everyone's minds, again, going back to the first point we chatted about is, again, teleoperation, it's a really big thing a lot of folks obviously been uh been trying to do this right so what's the you know to what extent can you share a little more about what's you know what what's the 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 the, the secret something that's that's really uh driving you guys i think uh, i partially answered this question by saying this this is a lot of secrets coming together because on every end of the puzzle there, there, there are secrets and there, there are problems and challenges that need to be solved with, with technology. 
uh, and on the car side, it ended up being uh, a, a cheap way to retrofit it. That is huge. Uh, that's yeah. that's huge. On the operator side, uh, there there are so many things that we do to augment and help an operator to navigate. Uh, this is so important because this is actually uh, it, it's the technology and the human working together. So the machine, a human interface or human machine interface is is the whole discipline. It's it's it, you know people uh, study it as as a uh, yeah, as in, in yeah. universities. So uh, and and there is this you know other piece that are, that is a connectivity. How do you make sure that you connect an operator with the car uh, in in such a way that it, uh, the connectivity persists and uh, you you compensate for problems with or potential problems with um, telecommunication uh, and different different parts um, present different challenges. But like you mentioned, for instance, five G. Uh, a few years from now, assuming it will go well and 5G will, will be deployed, then it will be less less of a problem to solve the connectivity piece because it will basically just come out of the box or, you know, almost. Uh, so today with 4G LTE, there is, there, there is you know, so much more, more we have to do to make sure that, you know, it's, a, it's an unbreakable connectivity. But then on, uh, you know, tomorrow it might be not relevant. But also there is this, you know, driver interface. How do you, how do you, sh what do you show? How do you show it? How do you augment it so the operator can mm -hmm. can do the job? Yes, uh, on the vehicle side as well. So auto manufacturers come up with systems that are already embedded mm -hmm. in cars, like radars, for instance. So if, you know, ten years ago cars didn't have that, then you would probably have to somehow augment this and you know add your own radars and work on interfaces and you know to to increase safety in the vehicle on the vehicle side you know five years from now there will mm -hmm. there will be mm -hmm. lidars in in cars so uh we will just you know you know this just made that. me think of something is there a reality in the future where so so my understanding is that the business model for um i think probably any teleoperation at least in general is that it's a service which is offered to other companies for whatever purpose they may have, whether it's uh, whether it's construction, whether it's ride sharing, whatever. Um, but is there is there a reality where this sort of technology can be effectively brought to the to the individual level, to the like to like a home, to a family, where, for instance, somebody could literally drive their family around yeah. with teleoperation for whatever reason? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it is very on point, and I think the it's not only uh, related to teleoperation; it's all, all also related to uh, autonomous vehicle companies, where it was not clear why we, you know, why people need that, and once they get it, how they're gonna use it. Because one thing is to you know see that it works, and another thing is experience it and and really answer to yourself is it you know comfortable enough uh, to use it is it you know it might be scary it might be uncomfortable there, there are so many things that are is are still unknown Th that that's first and second uh, for specifically for teleoperation companies it is it is the same thing yes we can uh, you know, control equipment remotely. Maybe we can, you know, drill holes remotely. There are so many. Uh, it's actually, you know, in mining, though, there's teleoperation existed for years in in certain for, forms. So it's not new. But what's new is how do we bring it to people today? It's exactly what what what, what you said. It is important to let people um, get it in into their hands today. And uh, it is it is becoming more and more um, possible because equipment is getting cheaper. 
it, it basically becomes only software that has to be built and uh, you know in the proper way and get us get this whole thing together. And then it's funny that you ask that as well because uh, one day I I went to my friend's uh, neighborhood and um, I showed him the the demo in the vehicle and then uh, his neighbor came and uh, uh, she was a mom and she 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 went oh if I had this today I would drive my kids to school uh, from uh, you know from home I wouldn't. So she was not even worried about the fact that you know how safe this is. She was not, she was not really into all those questions that usually come up. Oh, is it safe? Is it how how does it work? She straight, she was straight and said right away, "Yeah, I wanna I wanna do this. Like, give it to me. I'll I'll be driving my kids remotely to from the house tomorrow." So. Remotely from her house, and I said, "Hold on, hold on. Even if it, if it, you know, if it was complete and refined and, and you know, fully tested, first we want to, you know, put some remote operators that are professional and drive your kids first. It, so tomorrow it's not going to be you driving. It's probably going to be some trained professionals uh, familiar with the system driving. It's probably like you wouldn't get a on an airplane and fly it uh, and fly." your kids to school right because yeah. you you know you never did that but i think it is possible it is possible because it's it's actually easy if you can drive a car it is relatively easy to your point earlier the, the lack of uh, three-dimensional depth when driving remotely i mean it's sort of the same challenge faced with a professional driver picking up even the most realistic driving simulator on on a pc or certainly xbox or playstation that lack of depth does make it tricky. So there is a bit of a learning curve still, and not to mention the lack of physical forces as well, right? I mean, that that, that is still going to be a bit of a learning curve, or I should say not learning curve, but um, I guess adjustment, adaptation. You you see, it's interesting how some people are good at playing games and some people are I mean, I'm great at much. Forza on uh, Xbox. It applies like also. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> we should. We should play it. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so what I'm trying to say is it is uh, for, for different people, it's it's different. So for, so for some people, they pick it up within, you know, a couple of hours and they're pretty you know good drivers right away and some people cannot get it within a month and they're still struggling so it also depends on uh, you know certain things and, and the abilities and uh, you know who who does what better so it's probably not going to work for everyone but uh, it will work for a lot of people and will be easy i'm sure i mentioned to you my dad used to race competitively way back in the day uh, lotus super sevens <laughs> um and you're right. I mean, I remember hmm. even when I hooked him up with a steering wheel and pedals on, say, Forza, for example, yeah, it was really tough for him to kind of acclimate to the lack of physical stimulus and lack of three-dimensional uh, depth perception. Um, but you're right. I, I, for some people, it'll be easier to adapt than to others, for sure. But but hang on. Can we flesh out just for a moment? I'm trying to – I mean, it's weird because I asked you the question and I realized I can't even really – tangibly articulate a practical use case for this right off the top of my head. I mean, to, so with respect to the mom who was enthusiastic about driving her kids remotely <laughs> to school, <laughs> it just sounds funny to say it. Uh, but, but yeah, what's the practical, I mean, she still has to be sitting down doing a thing, which is not doing whatever else she would be doing at that time. So what's the practical, like, what's the story there? Like what's, what's the argument for, why would she do this? <clears throat> yeah, I asked her the same question. Like, you would still be busy driving. And uh, I think there, there, there was two two points. First, she she somehow thought that uh, not leaving home will, will huh. save her time. And uh, she, right. she she had her own reasons. So uh, that's for... And then uh, she mentioned the line when, you know, drop-off line near the school where, you know, it can be... And I also, I think I also told her that, you know, portions of that can be automated because, you know, there's certain easy tasks and the car can, you know, do like slowly moving traffic and stuff by, by its own, um, on its own. The second thing I think she mentioned is, oh, it's, it's new, it's fun, it's cool, I want to try that. So it's, a, it's a, wow. an aha moment for her. Oh, there is something new. I think a lot of people are, and I didn't realize that, there, there's. I don't want to say bored, but they're, they're they leave in their 
everyday life and they see this, the same things every day and when something comes in it's or comes comes out it almost feels like it's there it's an entertainment or you know it's a new thing that they want to try and they're willing to to try that and uh, yeah for us it's probably you know where we're kind of cautious about you know doing or not doing th certain things with technology but interesting enough people some people are very open to it and they're like, yeah, give, give us, uh, give us you know, that. I'm tomorrow. certainly one to jump in and try new things all the time, but I guess trying to drill down into a bit of the practical realities here. I mean, it's, it's hard enough just installing an Xbox steering wheel in a living room. I mean, I would imagine there's, I mean, you know, let alone the sufficiently large space required for an adequate setup to do any sort of teleoperation driving. Right. So I think realistically, practically speaking, yeah. I mean, this is like saying, "Hey, can you fit a, you know, a decent-sized simulator of a of a Cessna in your living room?" <laughs> I mean, that's not going to really happen either. So, right, yeah, absolutely. For the years to come, it will be still some yeah, yeah, know, controlled sure. centers, and you you'll well, where you will will be able to screen people and make sure they, you know, they're not fatigued. And th there are so many issues on the operational side that have to be taken care of. So it's not like tomorrow we're going to drive from home. Uh, but I, I think at certain point for certain applications, it might be useful. And uh, it's interesting how this, uh, it, it is weird and it's, you know, one in so many years, this pandemic, it, it shows that sometimes there are so unpredictable situations happen where uh, technology helps. And, uh, you know, driving cars remotely is one of those because, for instance, what I what I notice also, people deploy self-driving vehicles uh, in certain areas where they have to they had to sanitize streets and stuff and i read this that, that you know it takes weeks to deploy one one vehicle and you know no wonder because it, it requires testing it requires mm -hmm. you know, training fixing issues this works right away today so if we send a vehicle somewhere uh, anywhere and if there is a connectivity if, if there is full 4g lte with enough you know, bandwidth, we can just drive there. So, and it's easier to bring wireless infrastructure and put it, even if it doesn't exist somewhere, than, you know, rebuild roads, uh, fix countless issues with um, machine learning algorithms, well, that's stuff like that. So it, it is just an alternative. It's not like, you know, we're, we're fighting right. for, These for are the not same thing. Uh, I wonder, have there been any, like, any psychological studies and so far as people's risk aversion when driving remotely, here's what I mean. Uh, we, we started talking about, you know, Forza, Gran Turismo, take your pick. Um, and I, and I realized I'm definitely, I'm definitely a faster driver in simulator land than in real life. I mean, to your point earlier, yes, I've driven Thunder Hill a couple of times. I've driven Button Willow a few times. Um, and the, the point being that when it's, when it's simulated, obviously you're willing to take more risks. You're willing to drive 10 tenths rather than say eight or nine tenths. Right. Um, not to suggest that mm -hmm. people would ever mistake teleoperation for pure simulation, because obviously it's not, I think it commands an intuitively higher sense of responsibility and respect for what's going on. But even so, I wonder, I think it'd be an interesting field of study to see over time, the data around, um, yeah, I guess risk aversion, safety generally, when someone is literally physically disconnected from the thing that they are operating remotely. I guess the best proxy we have today is military drone operators. I suppose is, is that even a valid question? What I'm asking, like, do you, yeah, you know for the asking? drones, it's it is it is it is very valid question. And I had oh, this question okay, cool. before I started uh, working in the space because it was also unclear to me how it's different from playing a game and how you you know distinguish and how you i also you know when i start playing uh a set of course i i, I crash a lot and so for I the agree, record you do you, crash you a lot driving forza more. good i'm ready to race you now <laughs> <laughs> not forza <laughs> yeah so uh when when you drive remotely or control a monitor remotely uh, somehow brain detects okay. it's not a game. Uh, I don't, I, you know, uh, it is, it is a different experience and you, 
I think it's it's the opposite. When you play playing a game, you can you know relax a little bit and you know steer left and right, and you, you you're not concentrated mm-hmm. as much or not always. When you drive remotely, and I think that's what brings fatigue, and that's why you know some training mm-hmm. is is required as well. It is not it, it is not the same situation. You 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 know you're not playing a game. You know there's a car on the road, and you know where is it and you uh and you, when you drive it you you're not you know you're you're attempt uh, you're doing your best to not make a mistake so it is um that that actually makes or, sense and i yeah. think it just kind of ties in neatly to the second question i had which is kind of dry and academic but it and it's sort of a silly question actually um but it's worth asking i mean if Level four vehicles are roughly defined as those things which generally can drive themselves until they can't, <laughs> at which point they have to gradually hand over control back to a human driver. But the level five vehicles are obviously, well, no driver at all. Then it kind of raises the question that weirdly I've never even thought of until right this moment. Where does teleoperation fall? Because arguably one could argue yeah one could argue it's a level five thing because by definition <laughs> sufficient teleoperation means you don't need a human driver in the vehicle on the other hand it is clearly a human driver still taking control so has anyone defined where that falls level four or level five i think that uh, teleoperation oh. falls into level three actually uh where uh at least today where uh human is still involved and not only on the on the uh, far end, uh, not only the operator, but it's also uh, if it's a driver, if it's a regular car, then if asked to take control, the human uh, should be ready to take control. Uh, when um, and I, I see this as two uh, different universes. So one is uh, autonomous vehicles, which, to my knowledge and understanding, it's it's really um, it's kind of got stuck and it will take some time to make it work everywhere. So level four autonomy, uh, especially level five, it's, uh, it, it is hard to even grasp when it's gonna, when it's gonna work. Uh, interesting uh, enough, uh, Mercedes-Benz actually had a self-driving uh, car in like late yes. 80s apparently. Uh, and you know, it, the the trunk was full of equipment, but it <laughs> it worked somehow. Uh, I think we're kind of in the same spot today as well, where we we still have cars that are doing way better than late '80s, and they their their trunks are full of equipment and compute power, and uh, uh, it 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 is working. It is way better, but it's still not better as, as exactly as you said. It works <laughs> until it doesn't. And 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 this and this doesn't is a huge problem, and for for this market specifically for the for for autonomous vehicles market, I think it's great to have some sort of uh, fallback, uh, whether it's teleoperation uh, or tel- telepresence, teleassist. There are different kinds of teleoperation that can be done, and uh, to my knowledge, almost every company that does autonomous driving, they have some sort of teleoperation uh, capabilities. It's uh, it's finding the right one, and it's uh, utilizing the right one in the right moment. Uh, we are more excited about bringing this to people because it's already possible today. So self-driving will be there. Whether it's going to be, uh, you know, ride-sharing, maybe we will get a chance to own one. Um, great, but today it is very expensive. It is it is not working properly uh, yet. So and and teleoperation it's just it's just like regular driving done remotely, uh, and that's working. So if you want to drive your grandma in uh, you know Colorado to a nearby shop, uh, I think we're closer to that than. You said a thing earlier that made me realize there is going to be some need to train remote drivers which suggests the need for certification. I could almost imagine a future where we have a different class of driver's license altogether, like literally a remote driver's license of sorts. Yeah, today uh, it's interesting that you um, brought the legislation and uh, regulation issue. It is, um, it's the whole, it's, it's, a, it's a wide topic. We can do yeah. another pod- podcast just on that topic, but uh, briefly, 
uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things are still uh, underregulated, uh, especially I think the the way you know being an insider of the industry, uh, I would say that uh, you know it's it's underregulated. Uh, people say, oh yeah, if uh, if regulation allowed. Uh, regulations allowed to to be on the on the roads this way without a driver with a driver we would do this this and that uh, i don't think that's that's the holding factor i think the technology is not really there yet but uh, in terms of uh, who can drive in california for instance if the person possesses a valid driver license for the class of the vehicle that he is operating uh, it it is allowed to operate it remotely so even without uh, you know any additional certification and it might be you know right or wrong and uh, it just you know where we are today and uh, i think it also depends on the technology itself so i saw systems where you know it's harder to operate uh, we strive for you know we build a system that is easy to operate so we don't need that much training for people to to go through uh, which we think is all important. Um, so yeah, it, it it depends. Totally see this technology teleoperation generally, but to effectively become a sort of a standard thing that needs to be there in a sort of in a sort of way that uh, I don't know if 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 an autonomous vehicle company didn't utilize teleoperation at least as some sort of a backup, I don't know, it would completely jack up their insurance premiums, for instance. You know, it's almost like a necessary backup in the way that stores need to have security <laughs> cameras or something, you know? Like, it's got to be there, like this additional layer of protection. It is, uh, teleoperation is required for self-driving companies in California to test their vehicles without a driver. So, and, you know, as we know, there, there are, you know, a couple of companies that received this uh, license to operate without drivers, so they they do uh, have teleoperation capabilities. The the, the thing uh, about this right. is it's not strictly defined what kind of capabilities there should be, or should be in place. And uh, I think that's where you know it's all it's all going. What is the best way to handle what type of cases? But I I cannot agree more with you that. It would be great if in in our cars today we had a button where we can push it and you know we don't want to drive anymore maybe we don't want to see them traffic anymore someone just you know spends their time and drives us through you know uh, traffic on the highway maybe you know bring a car to the entrance maybe drop us at the airport at the gate and then go park it there are certain things that are simple things that can be automated today and i i wish we already you know been working with some auto manufacturers. no i'm familiar with the testing requirements right now for teleoperation here in california but i was just imagining even once we're a few years in the future it's it's no longer just a testing thing but i'm saying even for the final product like even the actual you know the the, the, the end product which is actually available for for consumption as it were that that we would always need to keep that layer available and to your point yeah imagine driving here to southern california you 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 know, you're getting sleepy at the wheel, you're all alone. Well, now instead of pulling over, you could just sort of summon somebody to take over remotely. I mean, there's, an, a, there's a tremendous amount of use cases there, yeah, to the extent that you don't have full auto automation in the vehicle itself. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the cases that we initially thought of, you know, it, it doesn't happen every day, but people, oh, yeah. for instance, have heart attacks while driving, and sometimes they cannot get out of the vehicle, they cannot pull over, so... Even, you know, if they can push an SOS button or it can be actually automatically detected that the driver is impaired and there's something going on, someone remotely yeah. can take this car straight to the hospital or at least pull over or depending on the situation. So having this today in the car would be a great benefit. In, um, in case, case in final years. question to close things out. When do I get my demo at Thunder Hill? <laughs> I mean, just for the record, I, I never thought my wildest dreams. I mean, I don't even like to be driven by other humans, uh, not least of which those that are six or seven thousand miles away on my favorite racetrack. So uh, here I am asking, when do I get my demo? <laughs> Maybe we should wait for COVID to pass first. <laughs> Listen, we're, 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 we're ready. We're ready to uh, to do a demo anytime. Uh, let us know when when you're ready. When you. Uh, 
uh, ready to get out of, uh, of of your cave, and uh, you know we will <laughs> we'll be we'll be there, pick you up, and you know show show you. Well, that would be awesome. No, I, I really look forward to it. Thanks very much for that. Um, and on that bombshell, uh, I guess we should wrap it up. Absolutely. Wow, I think you and I just did the longest uh, standalone non-special episode, as it were, uh, which was quite special indeed. Almost an hour here chatting with you. So thanks, Leon. It's been really great. Uh, I'm so glad we got to do this finally. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for having me. And Keep in touch. Talk soon. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today and indeed this week. Thank you so much for listening. Stay home. Stay safe. Be well. I'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye.